0: I want to introduce you this morning to a veteran by the name of Jack Lucas. And I found this picture this week that kind of came across either in an email or somewhere uh, across my path. It's a picture I've seen before. Jack, at the age of 14, enlisted in the United States Marine Corps prior to the Second World War. Actually, we were already at war when Jack enlisted. He was 14, which means what? He snuck in somehow because he was not eligible to be in the, in the Marine Corps. Jack Lucas stowed away on the ships going to Iwo Jima. Jack Lucas came off of those ships, onto the beaches of Iwo Jima without a weapon. Jack Lucas had enlisted but hadn't finished boot camp yet. Wasn't trained, wasn't equipped, wasn't prepared. Stowed away on ship, came onto the beach without a weapon threw himself on top of two hand grenades to protect and guard his, his buddies in combat. And he survived that to get a Purple Heart and, and to live. And I think here was a guy who was so committed to the mission of defeating the enemies of America that at the age of 14, unprepared, un- unequipped, untrained, off to Iwo Jima. And if you've read anything of the history of the Second World War, you know Iwo Jima was a bloodbath. An absolute bloodbath. And I, I, I was reflecting on, on Jack Lucas this week. A man committed to his mission. And it, it caused me to kind of wonder, you know, how committed am I personally to the mission that Jesus has given to us? How committed are we as a church to the mission that Jesus has given to us? You know, I kind of admire the commitment to mission that I see in Jack Lucas. And I wonder if I don't kind of fall short a little bit in my commitment to the mission. Well, you and I have a mission that Jesus has entrusted to us. And you've probably heard me say a few times, I'm sure not often enough, then my sense of the mission of our church is that we need to be committed to doing this, to discipling mature disciples, training and equipping mature disciples with hearts for God, hearts for each other, and hearts for a lost world. And every time we come together in whatever form it is, whether it's here on Sunday morning, whether it's in our Sunday school classes that are going to start next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, as Dave reminded us earlier, whether it's we gather in some of our home small group gatherings, wherever it is that we come together, our sense of mission ought to be that we're preparing each other, we're equipping each other for the mission that Jesus has given to us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are training and equipping mature disciples with hearts for God, hearts for each other, hearts for the lost world. And we've been kind of tracking, if you will, with Jesus on his mission. And as we've been making our way through Mark's Gospel, pretty slowly, right? But we've seen Jesus on mission. We saw Him get baptized. We see Him go into the wilderness in His temptation. We saw Him go into the synagogue where He taught and people were amazed and He cast a demon out of a man and He left the synagogue and He went to... Heal Peter's mother-in-law And a multitude of people that gathered for healing we, we watched the leper come to him And Jesus healed the leper And we saw four guys bring their friend Last Sunday, a paralyzed guy They brought him to Jesus And everything they went through To get him to Jesus We've seen Jesus on mission And Jesus is calling you and me Into that mission That's what Jesus wants For us to join him in his mission. And so I want you to come with me again this morning to Mark chapter 2. And I want you to see with me the next uh, event, if you will, in Jesus' ministry. And the next example of Jesus on mission. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, we read these words. And he, Jesus, went out again by the seashore. And all the people were coming to him. And he was teaching them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house. And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was, casting out, or he was eating with the sinners and, and tax collectors... They said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's Jesus' mission, to call sinners. And so there's three, there's there's one sentence in three pieces I want you to kind of wrap your your hearts around this morning. The first thing I want you to read in this passage and understand in this passage is this Jesus went out. And there's a, there's a little word in verse 13 that kind of has captured my, my thinking as I've reflected on it this morning. Verse 15 says, And he went out. Does your Bible have a little word following that that starts with the letter A? Yeah. Again. What does the word again suggest to you?
1: John.
0: This is something he's been doing. And if you've been tracking, as we've been making our way through Mark's gospel, Jesus keeps going out. Chapter 1, verse 14, it says, He went out, preaching, repent, and believe the gospel. And as we've been reading in chapter 2, He went out. At the end of chapter 1, He went out. Jesus went out. And you think, so what is the big deal about out? And again. The big deal in my mind is this. I fear that too often our expectation is that because we gather together on Sunday morning for an hour, hour and 15, 20 minutes, whatever, and because those doors are unlocked, that people are going to come to where we are gathered. You notice that Jesus didn't set up shop. He didn't open a storefront in downtown Nazareth or Capernaum and invite y'all come. What did Jesus do? He went out. I read some time ago, Baptist Church in Snellville, Georgia, advertised that if you would come to church on Sunday morning, either as a regular attender or a visitor, that you would be given a raffle ticket for $500 of gas cars to buy gasoline for your car. And so every Sunday when everybody came, they get a pink ticket. This goes into the raffle. You get $500 worth of gas. Why did they do that? Because they want people to come. And as I read the Gospels, especially, but as I read my Bible, God's instruction for you and me isn't y'all come, it's what? Y'all go.
1: That's
0: what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He went out. And, you know, that's a challenge for many Christians. Uh, we're comfortable to be together. We're comfortable to meet as we do in Bible study and, and church service and small groups or whatever. But the challenge the challenge that Jesus gives to you and to me is that we would be people that go out. By the way, when Jesus went out, have you been paying attention to where Jesus went? He goes to the synagogues. Why does Jesus go to the synagogues? That's where the people are. That's where they gather. And I find myself thinking sometimes, so if we were going to go out, if we were going to go seek and save the lost as Jesus did, and we were on mission with Him, where might we go and find where people are? Rather than expecting them to come to us, where might we go? Well, we're already doing some of that, right? We go to the elementary schools with our Good News Clubs, and we're hoping to get kind of back in here with that in the fall, hopefully, right? We go to Boyle Heights, Heights of Grace. We go out on the riverbed here. And I think often, you know, there's so many places where people gather. They gather at the mall. Have you ever thought about going to the mall and walking around and asking Jesus to give you opportunity to talk to somebody about Him. <laughs> people gather in city parks. Hopefully we'll be back in the parks again, right? That's where the people are. And as I anticipate our future as a church, I'm asking Jesus to show us where, where do we need to be? Where do we need to go? Because Jesus went... Out, And he's calling you and me to be people that are going out. It always says in verse 13 that he went out by the seashore, people coming to him. But what was he doing, according to verse 13? Teaching them. Jesus did not come to perform miracles. Jesus did not come to heal people. Jesus came to do what? Teach them. To tell them the truth. That's why Jesus came. So, we read all about the miracles and the healings. Why was that important? Because the miracles and the healings authenticated Jesus and His message. And so they went together. But Jesus' purpose wasn't to come to heal. He came to teach, to tell people the truth, to proclaim the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. That was Jesus' message. Jesus came telling people the truth. He went out teaching truth. And I think, of, you know, there's lots of good things that churches can do. Lots of good things that, that you and I can do. And we look for opportunities we look for open doors, but ultimately our ambition and our hope, our prayer and our plan is to do what? Tell people the truth. Proclaim the gospel message. You know, I find myself thinking about that and, uh, you know, remember all our water bottles that we gathered together and we sent to the two elementary schools and we wanted to bless them and communicate God's love to them, but ultimately that's not where it's supposed to stop, Right? Doing good stuff is a good thing, but what's the goal? What's the ambition? What's the end game? We want to share the gospel. We want opportunity. Jesus went out, and he went out teaching truth. And that's what he wants you and me to do. Our friend Ed Lewis, former executive director of uh, CD National, You've heard Ed speak here, I'm sure. Many of you have met him and know him. I've been a friend of Ed since uh, the late 60s. And uh, I remember Ed repeating, I haven't heard him say this in a while, but I remember Ed talking about the fact that God calls you and me to go fishing. Right? Jesus called his first disciples, Peter and Andrew and James and John, and he said, follow me and I'll do what? you fishers of men. And so Ed has this little four-letter acrostic that I've always liked, F-I-S-H. And when I find myself thinking about the mission of the church, when I find myself thinking about my role in the mission, not just as a pastor, but as a Jesus follower, we're called to do what? Follow Jesus. He calls us to follow Him, And he calls us to be on mission, sharing the gospel. And so this simple little acrostic has been helpful to me. Anyone remember what the F in fish stands for? Friendly. Friendly. As ideas, just be friendly around people. Just be friendly. Greet them. Hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. Good morning. Um, I find this when I'm out on bike rides. I try to greet everybody I ride by. It gets a little redundant after a while, you know. But just practice being friendly. Even walking in the aisles of the grocery store. Do you ever think of walking to the aisles of the grocery store and there might be somebody there that, that maybe God wants you to kind of share a conversation with? And it might be just simply walking, you know, down to the dairy case and there's somebody there. Good morning. Or good evening if you're shopping at night like I do. Um, but just be friendly. What's the I stand for? F I initiate conversation a lot of us have trouble initiating conversation even with people we know let alone with strangers right how many of you have a reputation that you talk to strangers at the grocery store i used to drive my kids crazy <laughs> dad why do you talk to everybody you know I just, that's <laughs> what i do you know uh, one of my bike riding buddies, Don, another, another Don in my life. i got so many Dons, I go home and I tell my wife, well, I was talking to Don today and I have to go down the list so she knows which one I'm talking about. We're on a bike ride and he'll stop and talk to total random strangers and I'm standing there, you know, come on, we've got things to do, places to go, people to see. Uh, he, he talks to everybody, nailed down, whatever. But that's not a bad habit to cultivate. Just initiate conversation. Be friendly, initiate... What's the S all about? Story. It's the story word. I love hearing people's stories. I love opportunities to initiate conversation and ask people questions. You know... So, do you live here all your life? Is Norwalk home? No, I came from Michigan or wherever. You know, just asking questions, find out story. Um, I've had the opportunity to sit down with a few of you and to hear your story. I, I love hearing people's story. And as you ask questions and dialogue and hear someone's story, there's there's oftentimes little light bulb moments where you say, oh, that's something I can circle back to with a a spiritual insight or a spiritual message. But I'm creating conversation. I'm hearing their story. It's not me bombarding them with my stuff, but hearing about them and their life and their journey. Uh, What spiritual beliefs do you have? I love asking that question to people. I ask that question in, in just a few... Minutes, you gotta kind of get some keen insight into where somebody is. I don't have any spiritual beliefs. Oh, really? Do you believe there's a God? No. Oh, well, there's a spiritual belief. How come you don't? Yeah. Uh, anyway, friendly, initiate, uh, story, and then the fourth word and letter and fish is the word H, or hope or help. Is there an opportunity as you hear their story to suggest? That perhaps Jesus could provide help and hope in their life. Everybody needs a little bit of hope, right? Most of us need a whole bunch of hope. And to have the opportunity in conversation. It's fascinating that Jesus went out. He went out telling people the truth. And he went out telling the truth to whom? Ah, there we go, I was waiting for someone to say everybody, which is true. But if you read this passage carefully, he went out telling the truth. Who was he looking for? People just like you and me, sinners. And so, Levi, the story of Levi, later Matthew, the story of Levi becomes the illustration of the great truth that Jesus Came not for the healthy, not for those who were well, not for those who had it all figured out, but for those who were sick, sinners. And so, if you, if you let your eyeballs kind of run through this story about Levi, um, Jesus simply passes by. He, that's, why was Jesus passing by? Because he went out. He didn't set up shop in downtown Capernaum and put up a sign, Y'all come, welcome. He he went out. And so he's passing by, verse 14 says, and he says "The Levi, follow me. And what did Levi do? Got up and followed him. I got a whole bunch of questions about, huh, why, how? But he got up, and he followed Jesus. And verse 14 does this quantum leap, or verse 15, rather. He follows Jesus, and then verse 15 says, it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And so, it's almost like, what's the first thing that Levi did after Jesus called him to come and follow him? What's the very first thing that that Levi did? He invited them all to his house. And if if my math skills are any good at all, which you all know they aren't, you will find between verse 15 and verse 17, the word sinners, four times. And you almost get the idea that this is the emphasis of the passage. Because at the end of in verse 17, it says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so here's the principle in Jesus' life. I have come to seek and to save lost sinners. And Levi becomes what? The example of that principle. Jesus came to seek and to save sinners, and here's a chief sinner in Capernaum. Now if you know anything, about tax collectors. How popular are tax collectors today? By the way, do you do you look forward to April fifteenth? <laughs> you have this great sense of joy in your life that April fifteenth is soon going to be here, and you got to send that check off to the IRS. You're, you're all excited, waiting for next April to come because this one's over. And the next, but no. Well, take your level of dismay or unhappiness or whatever words you want to throw in there about tax collecting, and go back 2,000 years and realize that the tax collectors of the time of Jesus were the most despised people in the culture. The tax collectors, Levi, you think of another tax collector that Jesus met who was hanging out from the sycamore tree, a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was even more hated because the scripture says he was a Chief tax collector. He had other tax collectors under him, people like Levi. So, if you were a tax collector at the time of Jesus, you were a Jew in the employ of the Roman government. And your task as a tax collector was to collect taxes from other Jews, your own people, your own countrymen. So here's Levi, in the employ of the Roman government, collecting taxes from his fellow people. And tax collectors were known to be liars, thieves, because if they were supposed to collect the tax of a certain percentage, they would kind of bump that up a little bit to pad their own pockets, their own wallets. And so because of the tax collectors were regarded as sinners of the worst kind and they were not allowed to give testimony in court because they weren't trustworthy they weren't allowed to attend the synagogue tax collectors were regarded at the same level as unclean animals and the the religious Jew would have what kind of relationship with unclean animals (laughs) nothing to do distance and so here's here's Levi, this sinner, tax collector, despised by his fellow countrymen, and Jesus calls him to follow me. Jesus came, as he says right here in our text, he says, I didn't come to call the righteous, those who are self righteous think they've got all figured out. I didn't come to call those, I came to do what? Call sinners. Jesus went out to teach the truth to sinners. And as you read through the Gospels, as you you track through the Gospels, uh, one of the things you notice is Jesus diligently sought out sinners. I'm looking for this passage in Matthew 21. In Matthew 21, verse 31 and 32, it says this, Truly I say to you, that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. Who's he talking to? Who's the you he's talking to? Scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders. And he's saying to these religious leaders, prostitutes and tax collectors are going to get into the kingdom of God before you. wonder how they responded to that. Not too well. He says, For John came to you, John the Baptist, John came to you In the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterwards as to believe in him. Jesus came. Jesus went out to tell the truth, the gospel message, to sinners. On a scale of 1 to 10, how glad are you that that's true? Yeah. I count myself in that category of sinners, right? Sinners saved by grace. That was Jesus' mission. That was the 12 apostles' mission. That was the apostle Paul's mission. It's been the mission of those who follow Jesus for 2,000 years, right? Right? And it continues to be our mission today. I read the story some time ago of a lighthouse keeper. This would have been probably 100 plus years ago, right? When we had lighthouse keepers and maintaining the lights. Well, this particular lighthouse keeper was a man who had a reputation of being a very kind and generous man. And so as he would tend the lighthouse and care for the lighthouse and keep the lamp burning... He was known to be one who would help passing ships that were low on fuel. They didn't have adequate amount of fuel to get to the next port. And he was known because he was kind and generous that he would share fuel with passing ships that were low on fuel. And it happened in the course of time that a, a big storm came through. His light failed. He had to fire up a generator to keep the lights burning. But the generator failed. Guess why? Lack of fuel. And because of the failure of the lighthouse to be broadcasting its light, uh, a ship crashed on the rocks and several hundred people lost their lives. And sadly, the lighthouse keeper was taken into court, put on trial, and his crime was negligence. He was negligent in his job. And the story goes that the judge who oversaw this trial wept because he knew this man was a man who was kind and generous and, and many people admired and appreciated him. But he had failed at the one thing he was called to do, keep the light burning. And I think of that story, I think of Jack Lucas going on the beach at Iwo Jima without a rifle, uh, committed to a mission. And how easy it is for you and me, like the lighthouse keeper, to get distracted from what our purpose is, what our mission is, why we are here. Jesus wants us to follow him and he wants us to be on on mission with him. There's so many things I think that God wants us to do and I don't even know what they are. God wants to use us, you and me and us together to impact this community, the city of Norwalk. And maybe bigger than that, Bellflower, Downing, Montmorata. But God has plans for us that we need to discover and And follow and embrace. And those plans will include, I'm confident they will include, things that we've been doing already in the past. And hopefully, as this COVID thing miraculously goes away in two weeks, right? Um, We'll be able to go back and be about some of the things that we've been doing. I'm looking forward to being with Vet out in Boyle Heights. I've heard stories about Heights of Grace for how many years? Long time. (laughs) Five years? Four years? It's been a while. And I've heard stories. I've heard reports. And I've never been there. I want to be there. I want to see what it's all about. I've, I've heard about the impact that our church has made in our Good News Club. It's just exciting stories. I love sharing stories with other people uh, about what God has done through the ministry of our church. And my anticipation is that that's going to continue. That God wants to do some significant things in us, And through us, impacting this community. And so, we need to become strategic as we think about the future. We need to be strategic as we think about following Jesus and being on mission with Him. As, like Jesus, we want to go out, we want to be teaching the truth to sinners. That's what He's calling us to do. We want to be strategic. And I don't know what other opportunities God's going to open up, but we need to be praying that God will open up opportunities. We need to be praying and asking Him to show us where He wants us to make a difference in this city. I thought to myself, you know, cities oftentimes have events, special occasions for different things, and maybe we could kind of come alongside some of those things. We don't have to plan our own events and invite people to come here. We don't need to give away free gas, right? Some of you probably like free gas right now at $4 a gallon. And so I went on the city website this week, looking to see what's going on. All city events have been canceled because of... COVID-19 but there's going to be opportunities there's going to be things that that we can do things that we can engage with Uh, my wife and I have looked for those kinds of opportunities in the city in which we live and uh, we've had the privilege of serving on on some committees and being a part of different efforts Um, it makes a difference when you're out in the community connecting with people I want to see us do more and more of that here I want to see us going out teaching God's truth even beyond our local community I wonder what we could be doing our church on this corner in Norwalk to impact the lost world I wonder what we could be doing We have uh, one of our task forces or committees is our our missions commission that VET leads. And and they kind of have two umbrellas that they're carrying of outreach and world missions. And one of the things that I've proposed to our elders and have had conversation with Ben about, what if we carved off that missions emphasis and let you guys just focus on outreach, evangelism and outreach here. What if we could carve off a committee that their focus and their emphasis would be on reaching the people that are out there, lost sinners out there. Uh, We currently have three missionaries that we support. Uh, the patents have been in brazil for decades and the end of june is going to be they're going to retire their ministry is going to be over with uh, with encompass world partners our foreign mission organization our other two missionaries cecil odell and Patsy morris they're both kind of at the end of their ministry years they're going to be retiring i'm not sure it'll be this year or next year but it's on the radar and we're going to have the opportunity to, new, to do some new things, some different things. Adopt some new missionaries. I'll be at least one little amen by adopting new missionaries.
1: Um,
0: and so I called Dave Giles, who leads Encompass World Partners. And uh, I asked him about what we could do to be strategic in reaching our lost world. And I shared with him some ideas and thoughts that I had, and and his response to me was, on the one hand, a disappointing, and I quickly got over my disappointment because I got some enthusiasm over what he suggested to me, because I was talking to him about Latin America. I've always had an interest in Latin America. Europe's good. Europe's important. I'm good with missionaries going to Europe. I'm good with Asia, and Asia's kind of a close second, because my friend Cecil's been in Japan for... You know, 25 years and then here with the Japanese locally in Long Beach. Um, I have friends, the Justinianos, that are missionaries in Japan. I have friends in Vietnam that are missionaries. Uh, I love missionaries around the world, wherever they are, but I've always had kind of a special interest in Latin America. And so I suggested to Dave, do we have any new missionaries coming in the pipeline that are headed to South America? And he said, no. He said, we are not actively encouraging American missionaries to consider Latin America. And I said, okay, why is that? He said, because our emphasis and our focus is on the least reached peoples of the world. Latin America has been reached, at least to a certain level. And more importantly, those who have been reached in Latin America are doing what? They're going out, teaching the truth to sinners. And so one of the things Dave suggested to me was, he says, as you look to the future with your missionary dollars and your missionary support, you might consider adopting one of our churches in Latin America and providing them, helping them with resources in their efforts to reach Chile, Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, and so on that that is exciting to me, um, I just think, wow, you know we could not only send uh, money to help them with projects, uh, we could send a team of people down. anyone here ready to get on the next bus to Brazil? okay, I got one yes, good I like that. Um, you know I just think we could we could have a worldwide impact coming alongside of a sister church in in South America. I just think that would be so, so cool so I'm looking for a few people that have hearts, not only for God and for each other, but for a lost world. I'm looking for a few people that we can embrace together that umbrella of missions and free the current missions group to focus on outreach here and discover together what God wants us to do. that we might do even beyond the borders of our own country. I'm looking for just a few people that have hearts to do that. I don't know who they are, but God does. We can't be strategic, doing just like Jesus did, going out, sharing the truth to sinners. That's what, that's what Jesus wants us to be doing. And so, as I think of this, what I want to suggest is this. Always the first thing is we need to be people who are praying. God, what do you have for us? Where do you want us to be? How do you want us to invest our resources? What should we be doing? How can we best go out telling the truth to sinners? Is that on your prayer list? Is that on your agenda? Do you have people on your prayer list that you're praying for that are sinners that need to come to know Jesus? Do you have people that you're praying for regularly that would come to know Jesus? That needs to be a focus in each of our lives, each of our hearts. Are you praying for our church's efforts in outreach? Are you praying with anticipation that God's going to let us again be into the elementary schools with our good news clubs? We're going to again be in Boyle Heights. We're going to have opportunity on the river. We've got open doors of opportunity here in, in Norwalk. Are you praying? One of the things that I was convicted about this week is the the high value of being prepared, being ready to share the gospel, to share the truth. And you know, one of the simplest ways to do that, and it's frankly a habit I've gotten out of, it's a habit I've had for many years, and I've kind of gotten out of it, I don't know why I have to think and pray about that, but one of the most powerful things that you and I can do is to place a piece a piece of gospel literature into somebody's hands, oftentimes called a tract, or sometimes there's some really nice, small, short, little books you can give to somebody. I have a couple of books that I've used. I've given it to someone and said, would you read this book? And then I'd like to dialogue and talk about what this book says, um, I've used gospel tracts through the years for lots and lots of simple ways. Uh, Ray Comfort's ministry, Living Waters, right here in Bellflower, prints some phenomenal gospel tracts. I remember growing up as a a young boy, my father carried a box in his car with these things wrapped up in a bright colored cellophane. And uh, we would be going somewhere, and he'd have the passenger window rolled down, and he'd be tossing these out the window. They were called... Anyone know what those bright colored cellophane things were called back in the 50s? Gospel bombs! <laughs> and I remember I would, we would go camping in Yosemite. And we would go... My dad loved to walk. And we would walk through all the campgrounds. And, and we would leave pieces of literature in all the bathrooms. Leaving... Simple, simple thing. Easy to do. Um, I was challenged again with this statistic. The American Tract Society says 53% of people worldwide come to Christ through printed literature. That's kind of staggering, 53%. Hudson Taylor, early missionary in Asia, came to Christ through a gospel tract. Charles Whitfield, one of the great preachers of history, came to Christ through a gospel tract. We need to be prepared and ready. Um, I brought some of my tracks that I like to hand out, and uh, I'm going to start carrying them with me. Victor is my hero in gospel tracks. I've watched him do this. Some of you have to, Tommy or Nadia. Victor, before he had his bicycle stolen, had a little bag on his handlebars that had little gospel tracks in it. And he would, he would engage people in, in conversation. He and I were at lunch one day in a park over here in Downey, And uh, there was a guy digging through the trash can looking for plastic and recyclables. And I happened to have a bag of recyclables in my car. And so I took them over to him. He spoke zero English, I quickly discovered. Had no clue what I was trying to do. And so Victor came and took the bag of recyclables and the gospel tract and went and engaged the guy in the Spanish conversation to be in the trap. Simple to do. Simple to do. We ought to be people that are praying. We ought to be people that are prepared. We ought to be people that are ready to go out. And whether, again, God gives you open doors of opportunity in your neighborhood, at work, our Good News Clubs, wherever, wherever it is. Jesus' model is, He went out, He went out teaching the truth to sinners. And he's calling you and he's calling me to do the same thing. Private Jack Lucas is a hero. Yes, he was a Purple Heart winner. If nothing else, that alone makes him a hero, right? But here was a guy so committed to the mission that he went... Stowed on a ship, stormed the beach without a weapon, <clears throat> untrained, unprepared, but committed to the mission. God helped us to have that same kind of commitment to the mission He's given us. Lord, that's my prayer this morning. As simple as it is, Jesus went out, and he told the truth, he shared the gospel to sinners. And you're calling us to do the same thing. Lord, for many of us, it's a, it's an awkward thing. It's an uncomfortable thing. We think of ourselves as introverts. We think of ourselves as not knowing what to say. Uh, we've got all kinds of things that we put into the hopper of why not. And I pray this morning that you would help us to throw into the hopper the, the big why. That you call us to follow you. You call us to be on mission with you. Lord, help us to bring to you this morning our fears, our anxieties, our inadequacy, our inabilities. Help us to bring those this morning, lay right them at your feet, prepared to be faithful to the mission you've entrusted to us. Do that for me. Do that for each one of us, is our prayer together in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Let's stand for a final song.
0: It's always good to be together. It's always good to fellowship together and to worship God together. It always is. It's great to have people joining us on YouTube. Thanks to those who are coming on YouTube. And we welcome you to come and join us here when you're able. And uh, I don't know, some of the people that watch us on YouTube are in the distance. They don't live locally. Some of them we've probably never met. Uh, we'd love to have you come by and, and visit and see us. As you go out these doors this morning... That's the mission field out there that Jesus calls us to go out to to tell the truth. That's the mission field that Jesus is leading us into. He's going to give us words to say as we seek to be friendly and initiate and hear stories and tell people that there's hope and help to be found in Jesus. There's somebody praying. There's someone praying for a friend, a neighbor, a relative. And they're praying that God would bring someone into their life this week that would share the gospel with them. And I wonder if that person being prayed for is one of our neighbors, one of our friends, one of our co-workers. I wonder. Because there's people I pray for that God would bring into their lives. May God bless us as we seek to follow Him, going out, telling the truth to sinners. Let's do that
1: together this week and pray for each other as we do that for His glory. Have a great week.